Hi everyone, welcome to the newest edition of Do It With Brio. Today I'm really excited to be able to talk about a subject which I experience all the time, which is about the transformation and evolution of HR. Um, and I'm very lucky to have Mallory uh, Loon with me today, um, who is the co-founder of uh, Working Spires. Um, I've seen her on LinkedIn so much and I've heard so much about her and this is my first time actually talking to her. Uh, so very exciting. Uh, Mallory, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit. All right, great. Hi, everyone. Thanks, John, for having me. It's been a great pleasure. And yes, you know, after knowing you for or seeing you actually for so long, I'm glad to finally be connected with you as well and the work that you do. Um, so just a quick intro. Um, we are from Work Inspires. So basically, Work Inspires is a data engagement development company. Uh, simply put it is that we help companies to design learning engagement programs, which includes culture and leadership as well. So I'm very happy to be here. Fantastic. Actually, how, how has the pandemic been for your business? Oh, 2020 when it first happened. See, I'm losing track of time. I think it's 2020, <laughs> right? Yes, 2020, March yeah. 18. Yes. So when it first happened, uh, honestly, it was pretty bad because companies are still trying to figure out like, um, digit at that point, I think, I think you would agree, companies yeah. are just figuring out this word digitalization. And then the pandemic hit and suddenly everything had to go virtual and everything had to go. So I think we had we, we had a bit of a rough time. Uh, honestly speaking, I had like almost zero income for like seven mm. months because, you know, people are just like, okay, everything stopped because we don't know what to do. Uh, so, but this year, I think companies have decided that, you know what, screw it, pandemic, no pandemic. We're just going to keep it going with life, pandemic, endemic, yeah. whatever. And we are now, so we're just going to keep doing. So with that said, uh, things actually got a lot busier this year, which is good for mm -hmm. me. But on the other hand, we are so used to this change and ad hoc things that are popping up as well. Like yeah. um, last time you would know that, okay, this is downtime, this is peak period. And now because of this situation, they're like, oh, we're going to expedite things. <laughs> and now they're predicting next year, maybe another lockdown. So let's physical events yep. <laughs> <laughs> just like isn't it like december where generally you know we are a holiday mood. i'm in a holiday mood but yet i'm working a lot so, yeah a we, we, we we experienced the same thing i mean we we launched in january 2020 uh and then two months later the the pandemic hit yeah. so we we had been building up this big sales pipeline we, we had a lot of leads and a lot of potential customers and then the lockdown was announced and every single one said you know what we need we need to pause we don't know what's going to happen uh so it was a, it was a really scary time for us but then everything just seemed to, to kick off uh and and pick up after that and i think it's because every hr people knew that they needed to digitalize a lot of what they they did but they had no motivation and no real reason to to do it and the, the actual pandemic gave them that reason to realize actually our server-based systems are not working uh it work from home and and a lot of the the things that we're doing we can't do because we're we're, we're all at home and a cloud-based system like vohr actually, actually helps out but what 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 do you think is the the wider impact of the pandemic on the hr function okay i think a lot of times this is where a um, sense of urgency comes into play, like because a lot of times we say that hey um we gotta go digital we gotta eventually get that but this word has been mentioned like maybe five, six years ago. And we're just taking our time, you know, no rush. What's the urgency? Why fix what's not broken? So when this thing happened, everything suddenly just went, okay, we've got to rush it. Mm. And so that's also where all this um, 
I think HR itself changed very drastically uh, because of that. And as usual with most organizations, when we don't know what to do, we turn to HR. And mm-hmm. HR is expected to be like the big mommy and daddy that solves every kid's problem in the organization. So that's where they came in. And um, I think that's where all these things rushed it. But on the other hand, just to detour a bit, right, with this digital thing, um, I've also seen myself a client invested very heavily into something they thought was important and needed. Mm-hmm. By the end, they didn't use any of it or it wasn't as effective. And on the other hand, there's also where um, companies that didn't do anything actually managed to survive better. So it's quite, uh, it's, it's like no right or wrong per se. Like if you don't do something's wrong, but if you do something's wrong, it's just a matter of people, which is also why when we come back to HR function as a whole, right? Um, digitalizing and technology is one thing. The readiness of people is another thing. A lot of times we are, we think we are ready, but we're actually not ready at all. No, definitely. And, and it's, 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 you see lots of apps started up, not just, not just in HR, but just in, in general. Um, they're there one minute and then three months later, they've gone out of business. Um, and it's that old adage, you create a business to solve a problem. Um, and a lot of HR apps or HR tech, they actually don't solve problems, right? They, they, they just add to the problem. They're just one more a thing that's there and i think the the hr tech that survives and that grows is hr tech that actually solves real problems and, and solves them easily and solves them, 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 them fast um there's no point in adopting tech that doesn't actually have a, t- a tangible effect on the, the business itself um and i think a lot of a lot of businesses that do go through these transformations or digitalizations their, their biggest struggle is not actually implementing the tech or the automation or the digitalization. It's the it's the the baggage that people carry with them. People get so set in their ways of, of, of doing things, even when they have these new, better ways and, and, and uh, tech tools, they still go back to the old ways because it's so entrenched in them. They've been used doing things the same way for 10, 15, 20 years. What, what do you think is the, the, the main people driver when it, when it comes to doing some kind of transformation, um, whether it's tech related or non-tech related, whether it's just two companies merging that involves a, a, some kind of transformation? From an HR point of view, what do you think is the, the key driver to get things moving um, efficiently? Okay, I'm going to give a very cliche yet important answer. In other words, the people. Mm. leaders okay as much as i if you know we said that you know we gotta drive bottom up top down on these things but most changes whether you like it not does come from top down and people people are just you know human beings right we don't change unless we have to change or we need to change like example if we are talking about losing weight you naturally will enjoy everything and who wants to sweat and you know work out and torture yourself in the gym unless you have to do it so it's either you really have to do it or you really found love and interest that you want to do it because it makes you feel good, it makes you feel confident, mm-hmm. it makes you feel healthy, you know. So when it comes to this, some things like, you know, technology or non-technology for that matter, it's a matter of like, okay, do we need to change or do we want to change? Mm-hmm. So if I've, I've seen where organizations where CEO drive changes. I've seen the most traditional Japanese-like organization really drives massive human being, uh, I mean, people-related or people engagement changes, which is generally not common in Japanese companies um, because the CEO said, you know what, this is important. People is important. We got to do something. And suddenly the entire organization go, oh, we're people-friendly. So for staff that's been working there for like 20 years and go, since when? 
<laughs> did this happen? Because the CEO came in and suddenly everything is people-friendly. But imagine if I worked ground up for the organization for 20 years where I, I've had bosses yell at me. I've had, you know, just do your job, don't ask questions, leadership style. And I ended up leading my own team in a way that is like that because that was how it was taught to me. And suddenly this new CEO came and said, you know what? You got to love people more. And this person would be like, you never said that for 20 years of my life. <laughs> so all these all these things happen and that's where um, changes become very hard. So we talk about the driving force, right? As much one factor is of course the top. The top needs to lead it. And I always tell organizations this, you can't get 100% support. Yeah. Even the prime minister can't get 100% support <laughs> in everything, right? That's why I call it democracy yeah. for a reason. Um, but if you can't get their support, ask them not to be a blockage. Yeah. So I always yeah. say that even when we're doing leadership or culture transformation, whatever it is, I said, if you can't jump on board because maybe not everyone is people friendly or not everyone really cares about engagement and not everyone really is passionate about doing this, um, it's all right. But don't be the reasons why your staff and your team cannot enjoy um, the privileges and engagement that the organization is doing for you or whether it's in HR, non-HR, whatever it is related, right? Uh, so similarly, after that, you have the second driving force, which is the managers, mid-level. Because a lot of times the top says that you got to do this, but they don't say why you got to do this. They just say you got to do this. So when it reaches the management, the middle-level managers, some of them, as you will know, will be like, oh, yes, we are very nice managers. I'm very happy to help develop my people. I'm very happy to participate in such thing. And on the other hand, you will get, especially when it comes to tech-related, are you replacing my job? Am I being relevant now? You know what's what's happening with these new changes. Um, I remember even my own family members. I've heard them, especially those that have been working with um, throughout their whole lives, and they are saying that, you know, we are going into this robot thing. Robots are going to replace our job, and I'm like, <laughs> robots don't exactly replace your job. They just make jobs different. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, but they don't get it. They're just saying the company's investing in robots. <laughs> so yeah, when yeah. you have that level, another level, uh, if you don't educate it well and um, communicate well, then they're the second level that would be the hindrance towards any changes for that matter, tech or non-tech related. Mm. It's, funny, it's funny, a lot of junior HR folks in uh, the clients that we work with, they think that Brio HR is to replace them as in it automates lots of manual tasks um, and, and can essentially reduce the amount of manpower that you need but the idea is that it 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 takes people away from manual tasks so that they can refocus on people uh, it's not about taking away people's jobs it's, as you said it's about changing uh, their jobs from something operational and manual to something value adding and 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 strategic um but it's, it's funny i've um i've i've been involved in a lot of recruit uh, transformation of recruitment functions so that that's that's my area that's my kind of career background uh so coming into companies and really transforming the way that they do recruitment and a lot of what the problems that i that i find is is actually habit people get into a habit of doing things a certain way and even 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 certain very simple things like um a lot of companies i work for they insist on before they start interviewing a candidate to have their salary, their notice period, and other things which might automatically rule them out. 
And I always have to just throw that out the window. I say, what's what's your priority here? Is it to hire the best person in the market or is it to make your job easy? Uh, and and the, 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 the processes should be based around hiring the best person uh, in, in the job and not around making your, your job more, more, more easier. Um, but sometimes just to get that idea into people's head and to get them to stop demanding uh, uh, that the candidate tells them their salary before they're allowed to start the interview, it, it can take a year. It can take a year of getting that drilled into someone's head. And I've had to, I've had to uh, make people redundant because they're not able to follow new processes. They're not able to adapt. Um, and it's and, and it's very very tough. Um, but have you experienced that as well, where it's just simple processes and, and the habit of the way of doing things and the idea that we've done it this way because that's the way we've always done it. So why should we change? Yeah, uh, completely. I talking about recruitment. I completely agree with you. I was especially now because like for uh, part of what we do is also we work, we work with graduates, mm. so students who are mm. graduating. One because um, I feel that's a good way of giving back. You know, making sure that we are in line with whatever it is that the future generation wants. But on the other hand, of course, makes me feel younger every single day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the yeah. other secret, right? But the the key thing we've realized that today's generation, they are very particular with the way the HR do things. If mm-hmm. let's say the recruitment process is tedious or it makes no sense, then they will they actually make a fuss about it. They will complain mm-hmm. and go. I don't get why do you need my resume and ask me to retype every single thing from my yep. resume into this website that you have. What's the point of asking for the resume? Yep. You know, that, that kind of, why can't they just link your LinkedIn to your resume? And why am I spending time doing this and this? So these are questions that I get from students these days. And they actually said, it clearly shows that the company is not um, future ready. Mm. No, That's the report they, they would make. And, even though it's a risk that, okay, you know, it gone were the days that they were so desperate for a job, they would just take anything in the market. These days, they're very particular about all these little things because they know that life is going to be hard if I join this company. That's their assessment. So I always tell recruiters, HRs, especially those in the front line, you're facing students and talent acquisition is the term they use these days. Um, you are the first impression of the organization. Mm. So yeah. if you you don't update and keep you know changing and moving and get rid of the way like you said habits old habits and change to new way of doing things or better way for doing things then you are going to be the brand that says your organization is not future thinking your yeah. organization is not forward thinking right so this is on the recruitment level but even on the learning like we do more learning and engagements and we always say this um you and I can go to the okay I think. May not be such a smart thing, but since we're in the pandemic, I would just say anyway, right? You and I can go to the doctor saying that, oh, our stomach is upset. But a doctor will never assume that goes, oh, John and I have the same issue, so here's your medication. The doctor doesn't do that. Even with digital, you know, nowadays we can do consultations yeah. digitally. A doctor will still never go, oh, you've got stomach, uh, stomach pain, so this is the medication. They will ask a lot of questions, they will diagnose, they will assess, because everybody is different. However, in the LNDC, the learning de- development scene, the traditional way of doing this is that, oh, in this year, we have this amount of training and yeah. this amount of budget to use and this amount of things that our people need. So what I'll do is I'll go to wherever providers and I go, okay, you know what? Um, this is what I need. Go find me trainers. 
And I get really frustrated. I'm going to be like the devil for saying this. But I get really upset and frustrated when people send me a standard brochure template that they use for every other organization. And I'm like, how is this possible? Mm. It's like you're prescribing the same medicine for two people based on assumption. Yep. <laughs> I don't get how is that. So the like what we do is that we actually consult. We go in, we diagnose, and we don't take the HR words for it. We actually talk to the employees and go, is this what you're actually going through? Is this the actual challenges? And we realize more often than not, it's not what it's said. It's a lot yeah. of underlying issues that we have to dig up. And that that basic way of doing this by right is actually when the HR person, before they approach us, they should do it, you know. Uh, these are things they should have conversations with. But because they are being taught to do a training needs analysis or whatever it is that be given to them, they don't move forward. They mm. don't change. And it is, it is funny. I do, I, do, um, I do a lot of work in, in terms of culture and, and how, to, how, to, how to build culture and, and, and values. And the more I do it, the more I realize even in a small company of less than 100 people, finding common values is enormously difficult um most companies they do the typical thing of writing the values on the wall etc etc um but actually even if you take very very simple surveys of that kind of uh, giving them five options of very excited not excited etc and give them some ideas even in a small company you'll get many at one end many at the other end many in the middle there's 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 never any common ground and when it, it's the same when it comes to lnd there's never any one size fits all right um and it's it's interesting what you said about recruiters or hr being the 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 first the first person people meet in a, in a company and the and the, the ambassadors of the of, of the company often i consult with other companies about their recruitment and i talk to the ceos and one of the things they struggle with is actually hiring recruiters um they they don't necessarily know how to interview them or how to assess them and I always say, just imagine you're actually hiring someone um, for uh, investor relations role or a head of business development role. Um, and if you're not confident that that person can represent your company to investors, to senior clients, to customers, then they also won't be able to be a recruiter because that's the, that's the skill of recruitment it's representing the company and selling the company and thinking of the a career in the company as a product that you need to market and sell uh and 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 be a positive am, am, ambassador about um but actually that that brings me to my next my next question i think um uh, a lot of things have changed uh steadily over the last 20 years but also extremely fast over the last three or four years as as the tech world has changed so much how how do you think HR needs to evolve over the next uh, five years? Or what do you think they need to do in order to stay relevant in uh, top companies? Okay, I think overall, um, good thing that came out of this is that HR now became the frontline and center for almost everything COVID related. Mm. Yeah, the process, that SOPs, they are also the person in the risk assessment team, they're everything. So suddenly HR became the most busiest job. On top of that, they need to keep engagement, employees mm. happy, payrolls in check and you know, Everything goes on as normal. So I think that's the good thing that came out in some sense because once upon a time, HR was a lot on the paperwork. They are the yeah. you know, procedures, they are the policemen, they are the everything that requires back-end job. They're never the front. But now um, it's good that 
HR has also become part of strategy planning. So speaking of that, um, I think these days a good organization, I would say, is one that will be able to marry a business goal and a people goal together. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people tend to see separately, like, okay, this is my company's shareholders um, agreement. And these are things I want to make sure that the profitability, the revenue, the shareholders, investors are taken care of. And then these are the people things. And you don't see them together. So what happens is that you're spending money on the people side that doesn't gel to your business goals. So if that doesn't marry well, you're basically wasting money. Yeah, I always say that you're wasting money. You're putting money on people development and areas that doesn't grow your business. And you're, and then you wonder why at the end of the day, we still cannot hit our target because you're yeah. basically putting your apples in wrong places. So the key thing for every HR for me now to move forward is that you got to sit down with the business team and you, as a HR, you also got to know business. I've also seen some um, younger executives that or the, those that are starting out. It says, oh, I studied, I have a degree in HR, right? Mm. I, it's not part of what I study to know business. Mm. And yeah. I say it doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> it's like, I always, I always, I like to use the analogy of startups because like in startups, you know every part of the business. As you know such thing as, oh, I'm just the, um, CMO of this company. I need to know the marketing area. I don't yeah. care because the company is so small. You got to know every single thing to make sure the organization runs. So same thing like HR. You got to know how the business runs, what the business aspect is, where's the business goal that you're heading towards. So then you know how to get the people there. So that's your job to get the people there. But you got to know business. If you don't tie business goal to your people goal, it's generally you'll never get buy-in. That's one number two. Everything will be a waste of time. Rest, very frankly speaking. Yeah. And also for the culture thing you mentioned just now, right? And like, I, I really like your, your, what you said. You know, people just put their cultures on the wall and they go, oh yeah, this is our company <laughs> values, right? But um, I always say, get everybody on the same page first. Is for example, a very basic thing, trust. Almost mm. every company I know has the word trust as their corporate value. Yeah. And when we ask them, what's trust? What's trust to you? And some people will say, oh, trust is that I've been able to trust you to deliver the job. But some people's trust is I want to know your personal life as well. So what is trust? Yeah. Yeah. So the, all these things are, I think, things that um, when you talk about the evolution of HR, right? There's no, the, most of the time values are set by the founders 100 years ago or how many years organization started. But with that said, on the HR side as well, the HR will also need to know that, okay, these are things that sometimes you have to put your feet down and say, it's not moving the organizations, we got to change. Yeah. And a good HR leader would be able to do that. A respectable HR leader would be able to do that. No, definitely. And it's funny, you know, we, at Brio HR, we try to think what, we, we, made, we made the mistake of trying to write what the management team thought were good values. And then we ran it by our employees and all of them, there was, there was, there was no uh, kind of gel. Uh, so we, we try to think what 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 it, what is the one common thing what is what is the most narrow um, set of values that, that we could have and and you hit it it was, it was trust that was the only one common thing that that we all had uh, and then exactly as you said because we're a small company of 30 people we can still all go into one room and all chat and talk um, and we spoke about trust and probably for about two hours everyone just given different different definitions of what trust is what it means to them. So even when you narrow it down to something that you that the whole company agrees on, even with that, there's still so much uh, room and 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 just not disagreement, but different opinions of, of what trust is and, and and what it means to you and what what it means 
to you in, in, in terms of the way that your colleagues uh, interpret it as well. Uh, so it's not it's not easy. It's, it's, it's yeah. not easy. Um, it's but I think at the end of the day, you can't please everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, especially as the organization grows to a certain scale, then it's like when we have a small team, everybody's like family. And then they want, especially startups, and then the next time they wonder like, why um, the, when we first started, we were all so good together. Then what changed? Suddenly everything seems to go haywire when you hit the 20 people mark mm. or the 10 people mark. And after that, you start realizing that SOPs and procedures need to be in place. You got to run your startup like a organization yeah. structure because you cannot run it. It was before. There's no longer a five people, six people team. So yeah. these are things that I think even as startups need to adjust. Yeah, and 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 uh, I mean that raises another recruitment issue. When when you do come up with these fake values and fake culture, you hire based on that, uh, and that means you're actually hiring the wrong the wrong people. They might be fantastic, but they they're not. They haven't been assessed specifically for your real culture. They've been uh, assessed based on your written on the wall culture. So it's it's actually very important to sit down and really define and think about what is the culture that you have what is the culture that you you want what is the culture that you think the company is going to have to evolve into and hire based on on on, on those things uh, rather than just this abstract idea of this is this is how we think it would be nice um but um with 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 that, with that in mind you know there's there are so many hr people in in quite senior positions who who really have most of their career essentially been that HR police person, uh, policing the procedures, uh, being responsible for uh, employee compliance and regulatory issues, and that's 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 what their job has been. Not not it's not their fault. It's just what the companies they've worked for wanted. Um, but if if someone does kind of do that self analysis and and realize that about themselves and realize that they do want to change, they do want to take on a more strategic role. Um, uh, they do want to grow into a much wider HR business uh, kind of, uh, type role. What's what? What's your advice to them? Because because actually, someone asked me. They asked me in a, in a webinar, um, uh, and uh, it's a webinar with about four hundred people. So I was, I was kind of put on the spot, and and they essentially said, you know, they, their company doesn't want HR to be uh, that strategic role. They just want them to do the the normal thing. Uh, and I said, you've got you've got two choices. One is convince your ceo convince your management that hr can play a wider role or you have to get out of there as quickly as possible because at, at some point in the future you probably will want to leave whether it's two years four years five years six years and if you want to go into a more strategic role they're going to look at your cv and they're going to ask you what you've done and if all you can say is that you've done payroll etc etc et you're, you're not going to be able to move into that that business kind of related hr uh, uh, progressive uh, uh, position, so you're you're damaging your career by staying there, uh, unless you can convince your your bosses to let you play a, a, a different role. Um, but what what would how would you answer that question, or how what advice would you give to someone who has recognised that they do need to evolve, but maybe don't quite know how to do it? Yeah, I I, I would say what you said actually, but I always <laughs> tell people that. If a CEO can change in organizations, what mm. makes you think the employee will stay to the end? Yeah. You know, I mean, 
that's a fact, right? So so even founders leave organizations after yeah. they feel they cannot contribute, they can't grow anymore, then they would just sell the business and go somewhere else. It's just not normal. So even, um, I would say the same thing in the sense where if you can't grow there, you got to grow somewhere else because especially in HR, eventually there's a maximum limit that you can reach. And if you don't have a signature that people want you for, then eventually it's going to be difficult. You're just going to be a general HR practitioner. But yeah. if you look at all the greater HR leaders or the good HR leaders, they all have a certain brand, like, you know, an employer branding brand, a culture brand, a learning brand. So companies want to headhunt these people because they yeah. need it for their organizations, right? So it, all HR practitioners, for that matter, I always encourage them. After a certain level, you would have already touched base for everything. You kind of need to ask yourself where you want to go and what you want to specialize in. Mm. And there's no form of, I mean, today we have get, can get certification almost anything in town, but everything still comes from practicality and experience regardless of the case. So that's the first thing. But on the other hand, right, if let's say you decided that I want to stay and I really want to um, try and see, my, question, my answer would be number one, it's your head fighting for you, the HR director. Because the biggest hindrance we always see is the HR director sometimes. If the HR director or the HR head doesn't put their feet down and say that, no, this is what HR is supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. then everybody else at the bottom yeah. can't do it that way, for sure. Okay? So that's the first thing. is your head fighting for you. Then the second thing I would ask is that, um, have you learned enough about the business to convince your CEO, COO, and management team that HR can do more? Because a lot of times, like I said, back to the part where people related doesn't help the business part. Everybody thinks that, oh, I'm investing in training is a cost. But, and the only thing they found useful is sales training because that can be directly seen as a sales profit. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they were never ever, like what we are doing is almost intangible. Like how do mm -hmm. we measure? So even people like us, we've already come up with measurements to say, okay, how has things changed? And we yeah. use practical examples of how things can change. But that comes with a long-term investment. There's not a one-size-fits-all, one-day-solve problem things. It's not Panadol pill. So yeah. with that said, um, I would say, number one, look back at your business goals and then come up with a plan of what can the people element do to help that. It could be re revision, but I mean, even if it's operational, re revising common band, revising the way benefits are paid out, revising the ways KPIs are measured. Uh, these are things that are tangible that you can see. Then you have the learning aspect. Then you have the culture aspect. Culture is always the last because it's always the longest thing. <laughs> but the low-hanging fruit is always revising common band, revising KPIs, that's already a good start to gel yeah. business people. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned uh, uh, it's it's hard to show the tangible effect of uh, uh, HR a lot of HR initiatives, and it comes down in in many ways to certain missing skill sets in HR, like uh, data analytics, uh, yeah. but also um, which, which can fairly easily be learned, you know, if, if, if you can use Excel and, and, and know how to use it correctly, you can, you can do the basics, but actually the fundamentals of kind of actual data science and knowing not, not just how to take data and, and, and show what you want it to show, but actually designing experiments and, um, uh, uh, deciding what questions to answer, what, what are the right questions to answer to see if this initiative is having a, uh, uh, the correct impact and how how you can gather the data which is going to show the impact that it's having because a lot of HR initiatives on the one hand they actually they actually do have a massive impact but it's not a, it's not a tangible impact that you can see it, it could yeah. be if you knew how to measure it but it but it, it doesn't get measured on the other hand 
some have virtually no impact um but the ceo kind of likes them so uh they so so they so they get carried on uh, so you've got these mix of things with things which don't have an impact get get pushed forward things that do have an impact get pushed aside and but there's no real way to tell and i think that's a that's a a, a symptom of data analytics not really being taught as an hr skill which which it which it really is to be and, it, and, it, and it's a massive gap in, in, in the hr market um and i think the it still remains a fact that hr in many ways remains disconnected from from, from the business uh, and I, I actually agree with you like data is something that even i thought i never knew i needed i mean hmm. i studied accounting and then yes. after that i went to this people development scene i never even thought data would be something important i mean until today uh, then i realized that oh gosh data is actually if you have the right data you can do almost anything mm. but back to the part where do you know how to ask the right questions and actually it's not really that difficult you don't need to know everything with technology or data for the matter right you don't need everything and you just need even if let's say you know some basic fundamentals you can always like to speak to people like you who can consult them better and they at the very least right whatever you are sharing they can understand yeah. because i've had some that want to keep in trend and they come and tell me that melary i would like to include blockchain in my ai planning and i'm just like what is that sentence mm -hmm. do you know what you're talking about i'm just trying to comprehend yeah do you throwing terminologies doesn't sound smart if you don't know what it means yeah, so yeah. That's where, that's where blockchain is one of those phrases that people like to throw out and they don't even know what it means. Uh, and people describing an advanced Excel sheet as a as an AI when really it's just, it's just it's just a yes no function in, a, in an Excel sheet. Um, yeah, I, I get it a lot. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was just I was just about to say I'm pretty sure you get a lot of that kind of remarks coming in. So that's yeah. what I mean by. If, but that's where you cannot consult, like someone like you in Brio, you cannot consult and help an organization if they do not know what they want. No, the day, if they can tell you that, okay, these are data that we have and these are things that we want and these are results they want to get, then you will be able to go, okay, these are the things that we can provide. But if you don't even think of that to begin with, then how are we supposed to ever consult you and help you? What, what, what do you think of the, the importance of the employee perception of what HR does, because definitely, as as we as we mentioned, oftentimes HR is very disconnected from the actual business goals, um, and employees do see them as the employee police, and and they they don't necessarily see them in in many cases in the most positive light. But then on the other hand, you you have these times when HR really does try to get involved very very heavily on strategy on, on on the business side and I've, I've seen this in past companies then employees start to think why why is hr getting involved it's not it's not their it's not their business why are they trying to push their their, their agenda um where's where, where's the balance point or, or how how do you get employees on board that hr can play a much different role and, and in fact a very positive role yeah i think okay employees to me are pretty simple in the sense where general employees for that matter, they're very simple in the sense where as long as my job is growing and not affected, I'm pretty okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they they are com incompetent or anything of the sort of complacent. Mm. No, I'm saying that as long as whatever agenda you're trying to push out serves me good. 
generally they are right. So a lot of times, right, um, employees will have this notion, like I said, it comes back to more transparency. So if HR says, oh, we're going to do an employee engagement survey, simple employee engagement survey, even though it's supposed to be anonymous, right, there are employees that refuse to answer honestly. Yeah. Because they feel that, oh, what if I tell the truth and I get into trouble? Yeah. So what do we do about that? So these are things that HR, as much as HR is saying, they know, just be honest. We don't know, even we don't know the result. Most of the time you get a gap. The employees are still not not that, okay? So what I would advise is that this is where leading by example come into play, right? Um, Let's say you were to have a, a discussion session, a dialogue session with a management team. Okay, this is another common engagement you see today, dialogue session management team, right? Let HR be the person that asks a tough question. I mean, you said transparency, so let HR be the person that asks a tough question. And if you see that every when employees see that, oh, it's okay, I can bring this up and I can be asked, it's really anonymous, it's really I don't know who. And or that it's really like okay, when we say transparent dialogue, it's transparent dialogue they would have more self-assurance or more assured to go like, okay, I understand what you're saying. That's all. It's yeah. actually not that, that difficult. But the part is that a lot of times HR is delivering messages. They are not exactly leading, by example. They're just informing yeah. you that, don't worry, trust us. You know, this is going to work out. Don't worry about it. But if not, they are not the person putting their head on the line for it. So if they yeah. can put it in line and say, okay, you know what? I'll be the first person to lead it. I'll be the first person to ask this tough question. I'll be the person that drive this. Then they will know that, okay, it's going to turn out well. So same thing that like when we do culture initiatives or leadership engagements, whatever it is, we said, okay, HR, somebody got to be the person that on your camera, on your mic and ask that question. I don't care who you pick, pick somebody. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah, and when they do that, then you get all the transparent. I mean, as much as, even if it's anonymous, at the very least, honest questions are coming in. The conversation so i think that's a good start and to me that's a good start to roll things up and of I course know, I can, yeah go ahead i was gonna say i know in the in the pandemic i've got a very good friend who was in a a, a large international company um which had to close down because of the pandemic well they had to so they didn't close down they made about 80 percent of their their workforce redundant which was which was in the tens of thousands um and their local hr in malaysia didn't 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 want to be involved they, 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 they thought it was the management, the management team's uh, issue. Um, so she didn't want to answer any questions. She didn't want to be there to help employees. It's, it's, it's just a, it's just a management issue. There's nothing we could have done about it. It's, it's one of those, and that, and that it really makes things worse. Huh? I think it really, when, when, oh, when you have these emergency situations, yeah, you, you need people to stand up and, and, uh, and, uh, and take responsibility. But I mean, what, what what do you think of that idea that um, the CEO is the first HR person, and that actually HR is the responsibility of of every manager, every director, every person who leads a team? Um, do you think do you think that that is true, and, and more companies should adopt that? Kind yes, hundred percent should be stand as a policy make company wide or something. I completely completely support that. It's like, um, I would say, if, as long as you, like the word leadership, right? Um, we have already moved to a part where 
we all agree that you can be a leader without being a leader. Like you mm. can be a leader without holding positions. You can be a leader without being a manager. Just as long as you work with people, you can be a leader. We've all agreed that. Why can't that be a people thing? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, we've already moved to the leadership part. Why can't we move to the people's responsibility should be everyone's responsibility not a HR's responsibility. So I've also, I'll give you an example, right? We've run this culture engagement with a company that's about 1,200 people, right? And they were so, when we did the focus group with all the VPs and AVPs of the organization, which is about 200 of them, and they were really venting, like the HR especially, they were saying that, excuse me, all of you as vice president and president of this organization, all of you are leaders. You are promoted because you're supposed to be able to manage people. How come every single small, tiny issues that about employee upset, employee disagreement, employee everything comes back to HR? <laughs> then might as well HR be the heads of everything. Why is everything HR's job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is also why when you notice certain departments, are doing well and certain departments are doing. So certain employees say, I like this boss. I don't like that boss. Because when people's job is not everyone's responsibility, you don't standardize things like that. So because of that, some leaders are nice, some leaders are not so nice. And you'll get little culture pockets everywhere, mm. which is could be toxic to some and could be nice to the other. So and it, and that that affects talents joining your company. Because imagine if I'm going to join Brio and I'm going to go, John, John, how is it like in Brio? And John had a fantastic experience. I go, oh, Brio is a fantastic company. You know, this is this. Everything went well. But what if I talk to somebody who had a different boss? Yeah. And the experience wasn't as pleasant. And that's the word that comes to me that, oh, don't. Don't bother. And I would be like, okay. And you lost a good talent. Mm. You know? So there's the vicious cycle of everything where every... But he has a role to play to make sure that good talents join, people stay, uh, company yep. costs are care of, people are developing, business goals are met. Everybody, it's an entire cycle. It's not a, it's not a disjointed affair. And, and actually, social social media has um, made that made that even more relevant, right? I think now, from a from a recruitment point of view, uh, social media has completely changed the way I do my job in terms of being able to get my employer brand out there on a, on a free platform rather than a, a job street or, 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 or a paid platform. Um, but also there's so many websites now like Glassdoor um, where people publish their opinions. And yeah. the problem is that is that when you have a really good experience, your automatic reaction is not to go on Glassdoor and say, wow, I, I, I love it here, blah, blah, blah. But when you do have a bad experience, that's when you do want to complain yes. um so a lot of these sites they 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 really help in terms of giving more transparency but they also seem in my experience to exaggerate the the, the negative but do you, do you think social media has had a wider impact on on hr practices outside of recruitment oh yes for sure because okay I'll give you an example right uh okay generally to me hr like i mentioned is a brand um yeah. hr is known as the heart of the organization if the heart beats well, everything functions. If the heart doesn't beat well, everything doesn't function. Simple, uh, it's like human anatomy that matter. So even if, let's say we talk about culture, talk about LID, 
regardless of the matter. If I see on social media that, I'll give you an example, uh, Nadia from SP City, okay? So yeah. she is somebody who is pretty active on her Instagram, her LinkedIn, all that. So if I see that, wow, she's posting about this coaching program that SP City is doing. Oh, wow, she's coaching about this. She's talking about that. That makes me, if I'm a person that's, it could be employees one or either I'm somebody who is just curious, I'm somebody who wants to know mm. about organization or join the organization. Then it creates that that idea that oh, if I'm interested in developing myself, SP City will be the place I want to go. Because mm. that's the notion it creates, right? But that's also like you say, come back to the lack of good things on social media. <laughs> I always tell this to everybody, not just the HR for the matter, everyone organizations that you are all the brand ambassadors of your company. If you like the company, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt that you do like the company you're in. Okay, so if you 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 have a good experience, share it out, leverage on the opportunity to brand not just for yourself but for your company as well. Because people will just go on LinkedIn and say, "I go type Brio," yeah, and then they're gonna see you. They're gonna see everybody else posting, and they go like, "Oh, this seems like a fun and lively company." So if it suits me, I would want to know more about yeah. it. You know, so same thing like uh, other people outside as well. Uh, employees for the matter is sometimes it's a lot more relatable coming from an employee than it is on the on the outside. So it's not yeah. just joining, but also on. On the other hand, um, I've also had a HR friend who told me this. The only reason why I probably have my job, I mean, among many reasons, but this is probably key reason, is because my boss see me posting on LinkedIn all the time. <laughs> yeah. So. Because I see oh, sometimes they're not here, especially for MNCs, you know, we have numerous countries to run. And they can't see you all the time, but they say, oh, you're so active on LinkedIn. You're doing so many things for the company. Oh, yeah. So you must be doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the the rise of the, the idea of the HR influencer is yeah, is, is coming. Uh, there's more HR celebrities than than, oh, than there was these days and and it's uh it's an interesting time for hr 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 is slowly starting to become sexy um uh, and, a, and, a, and a profession that people really genuinely want to to move into in, instead of uh, the, the the more traditional uh sexy industries like marketing and and, and things like this um, i think it's easier to it's more you see more hr practitioners speaking on conferences now that you do ceos yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, but what from 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 working with lots of companies, do do you have any pet peeves when it comes to HR policies? I mean, for me, there's there's kind of some of the the more mundane ones, but quite serious, like um, bereavement leave uh, being being forced to provide a death certificate. To, to, so that you can go on bereavement leave, I've, I've always thought is is stupid. But almost every company I've worked for in the past, if you want to take bereavement leave, you have to provide a, a death certificate, which is the worst time to ask for any kind of paperwork or anything like this. Um, and I think there's a lot of baggage like this left over in HR. But then there's, there's also things like um, performance management, which almost every company does. And almost every company kind of gets wrong. And again, they just treat it like a process that you have to do. I don't think I've ever met any manager, employee who said, I love, I love doing appraisals. <laughs> I, 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 I love, I think it's a really value adding part of, of, of the, of, of the year. It's always that thing that, oh, is it, is it that time of year again? Why are we wasting time on this? Um, but what, what, what do you think are the key mistakes that, that companies make when they're, when they're, trying to design these things okay i think 
perform okay performance reveal to me now it becomes paperwork like you said i it, and you just about to say i'm about to say that it's time of the year it's like you mm. know year end bonus yeah. payout and everybody's cracking their head now thinking yeah. oh gosh you know so um now i i would think that for me productivity measurement as well is one of the traditional way of productivity measurement clock in clock out and all these things should be gone by now because of this virtual thing but i still have companies telling me that or employees telling me my boss requires me to send a whatsapp message every day by nine o'clock to say that we are awake and i'm mm. like uh, <laughs> what and also like for example oh uh, if um like certain platforms now if you're not on your computer for a bit too idle a bit too long then it kind of shows that yeah. you're ideal yeah. and you know things like i'm just like why i get that you know you want but sometimes it's not needed to stare at my laptop mm. so why am i staring at my laptop for no reason so these are things uh, to me at this point i still ask myself why is this so fixated upon when it could be measured as results as yeah. deliverables it should be rewarded that oh you finish your job fast you're efficient and with this work from home and work from office and this hybrid thing there are parents for example like yourself maybe you know your kids wake up at certain hours and yeah. you only have certain hours to work because you know you gotta adjust sometimes you work night when they are sleeping sometimes you work very early in the morning like i have somebody yeah. who sends me email at three o'clock because her, <laughs> she, her kids only sleeps that time or something like that so and if i'm a boss i'll be like oh it doesn't count because your working hours start at night you know these are things that to me should be gone like forgotten but on the other hand talking about uh, speaking of performance review right um other things should be included for me like efforts of um engagement as a leader if i have a team under me the frequency of feedback or the effectiveness of feedback not just the frequency but the effectiveness of feedback should be something that my staff should be able to assess me for and then uh, the effort I put to coach, to mentor, these yeah. are things should be included. Uh, anything that's culturally going to be rolled out or changed should be included because oh, that's the only way to get people to perform, you know, consistently across the board. Hmm. And I've, I've always thought it just should, it should be focused on growth. It should be focused on not what this employee has done, but what we want you to do and how we're going to help you to do it uh, in the future. In the, in the future. Um, yeah, also other things like extra efforts, like ideation, suggestions. Yeah. You know, these are things that you should, I would say force it, but it should be recognized as, you know, this person is doing extra well. Yeah, def 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 definitely. But I think that's all we've got time for now. I think that's coming up to the, the hour mark, which is always a long time for, for people to talk. Uh, but hey, Mallory, thank you so much for, for taking this time to talk to me. If um, if people do want to get in touch with you, uh, what's what, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Oh, I'm on every social media platform, <laughs> um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, at Mallory Loon, or you can email me at Mallory Fantastic. Thank you again for joining. Uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in and, and watching us and continuing to support us. Uh, Mallory, it's really great to talk to you and hear your opinion on these things. And hopefully we can catch up again soon. Um, yes, for have sure. A, yeah, have a fantastic day. Take care, everyone. And thanks again for tuning in. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe. <laughs>